0: Not Who, Mikey P. Mike DeBosey back. Harness Players Podcast. Season debut here. Season premiere. Uh, We're back. We've been off a little while, but uh, we need to get things back going. And and a way to get that going is uh, to promote a signal right now that has some of the lowest takeout uh, going for harness racing. And it's at a a perfect time, I think. Uh, It's later nights. So it starts... It's seven Pacific time, ten o'clock Eastern, Fraser Downs, uh, Western Pacific Racetrack, Western Canada. Who better to get this initial podcast going uh, than a man that I know is a fantastic horse player that that uh, you, everyone will know from his uh, announcing at Century Downs and his uh, all his gambling stories on Twitter? Murray Murray Slaw filling in late for us from the bullpen. Thanks, Murray, for being here.
1: Yeah, no problem. Uh, happy to come in and uh, come in from the bullpen and uh, uh, to mix uh, baseball metaphors, pinch hit, I guess. But <laughs> happy to be with you on the premiere here. Ready to talk some Fraser Downs. As people who do follow me on Twitter know, I, I once in a while do grind out the Fraser Downs try money, Mike. It's I, I do like to do it sometimes late night. It's not as late for me here, uh, Mountain Time. We that gets underway at at eight here, but you're talking. 10 o'clock eastern for you guys is when it starts right 10 o'clock eastern and and usually like some of
0: these uh later east coast tracks are starting to finish up you know meadowlands is sort of getting towards the end of their card mohawk is getting towards the end yeah. of their card well fraser's just picking up and they're exactly going yeah
1: it's a lot of people's uh, a get out track or at least attempt to get out on the night on a you know on a friday night and uh when it's the last one going, or or close to the last one. Sometimes it's just them in Cal Expo. I guess, right? They get some pretty good uh, pools going at that time because they have uh, you know a lot less competition, and uh, sometimes it's some pretty good racing out west there as well. I know a lot of these horses because a lot of them do race in Alberta as well, uh, horses and horse people. So yeah, it's a track that I like to watch.
0: It's exciting too that they're they're trying new things. They're they're they have a fifteen percent takeout on their. Uh, win play show pools on their pick threes on their pick fours on their pick fives on their high five. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, that's for me, that's something that is, is very attractive because I, I know to the lay uh, horse person, maybe the lay better uh, takeout maybe isn't such a thing that they they concentrate on. But for, for us, that the guys that are playing every day that are constantly looking for value and looking for advantages uh, mm-hmm. that takeout makes a huge difference for us.
1: Yeah, it's great. Uh, great to have a you know see a pick four and a pick five as well as you know double in pick three, which tem- sometimes tend to be a bit higher uh, at the fifteen percent level. Their pick five is also a dollar minimum, which I like. And sometimes you get a carryover, even just a you know a one day or a two day carryover. There can be you know four or five thousand in there, and it's a dollar pick five, and it's only fifteen percent takeout. That's something I like to look for at Fraser. I know we're looking at the pick four tonight, which is also a good bet. I find in in the past, you know, one long shot in the pick four just really blows out a lot of tickets. At Fraser, I think there's a lot of people taking the same, uh, you know, numbers every race, so there's opportunity there, especially with that low takeout.
0: Yeah, and, and you're catching a lot of people that are, like you said, they're trying to get out. I know when I, yep. especially when I was younger, yeah, uh, you know, I'd be I'd be closing the doors on some of the OTBs <laughs> and, you know, so yeah. You you need these late night races uh, to, and there's a certain kind of crowd that's playing those, and and I would say a lot of those are your hardcore horse playing types, and uh, that's who we're we're here for. Uh, you're familiar with the In the Money podcast. We do a lot of shows uh, at for the Grand Circuit, for Mohawk, for Yonkers, for Meadowlands, uh, but this this Fraser show I think is going to introduce you know some of these overnight races and some of these overnight horses to our audience and hopefully we can, uh, boost up handle and boost up some of these pools.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're here for the, for the betters and, uh, uh, the hardcore betters hopefully, uh, you know, get something out of this and, uh, um, you know, maybe, uh, throw a few dollars at Fraser, uh, late night. They do race Thursday and Friday night. We're looking at Friday night's card. So, uh, That's that's, that's our focus here
0: yeah and similar post, same post times uh seven pacific 10 eastern thursdays and fridays and uh two dollar doubles here too which is a, a double mm-hmm. very good since and we're gonna we're gonna look at one Let, let's get into it a little bit uh they have a couple doubles two dollar minimum doubles starts in race number one this is friday night uh, made nine claimers and uh, you're gonna see western canada nine claimers is quite the popular uh the uh, popular tag that's a lot of horses are it racing. Uh, you'll see this a lot, especially if you're watching a lot of Frazier. Murray, did you have a, a price in that first leg? Uh, that first race, what'd you think of that? race? Yeah, I,
1: I narrowed it down to just three and six, Mike. And I guess six would be my price. Um, the, the six horse heavens wind, uh, racing for owner Rod Hennessy, who's one of the top trainers here in Alberta. So, very familiar with Rod. He's got the horse out there with Tyson Jacoby, who's a young. Uh, up-and-coming horseman that also used to race in Alberta and I believe used to work for Rod. So um, three-year-old Philly, she's only had two starts. They raced her uh, early February in the Straight Maidens. She made a break, still got fourth, and then they raced her again in the Straight Maidens. And she just kind of raced even against, I think, much better horses. Now she drops in for the tag, and I think that that drop in class and the fact that, honestly, I mean – she could race the 201 and three that she raced last time out. And that looks pretty good in here when we've got a pretty consistent. You know, two, three, two, four type Pacers. If you're going to look at final times, which of course many people do, so I think she's competitive in here. I like the drop to the to the claiming uh, ranks, and I've tried her along with the three Master of Liberty, who was closing. I thought best of all last time on the outside in her last start, which was the which was um, when Kelly Hort jumped up to to drive, and Kelly just does really well at Fraser. Obviously, if you've watched Fraser, you've seen last year. And the last few years, it's been Kelly Hort and Brandon Campbell that have dominated out there. Uh, Brandon's not out there right now. I think he's just getting ready for a Century Downs meet, uh, which I will plug. Starting, it starts March 16th. But uh, Kelly does a nice job out there. And him uh, driving this horse and coming close last time, I came back to her. So I just have three and six in the first half of the early double, Mike.
0: Yeah, talk about a little bit. I, I want your opinion on horses going, moving from that two year old season into that three year old season. And sometimes a lot of improvement can happen in mm-hmm. that very short period of time. Like, I'm, I'm interested in horses going from two to three, and the horses that you like, both of them are, are basically, are, that's what they're doing.
1: That's right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they can come back as, a, it's like an all new horse when they come back at three, right? They've had time to mature sometimes, you know, put on a little weight, just learn more about racing, more time to to train, you know, train them and get them, get them ready. So I, I would rather have a, you know, a relatively lightly raced horse uh, like the six who's only had two starts and broken one of them so really hasn't had even that much chance to race than a horse that's you know one for 14 0 for 50, you know we've got a, quite a few one for an O for a bunch of starts uh, in the in the card tonight at Fraser. So yeah that's why I, I went to those horses I, I could I assume the one will take a fair amount of money because uh, he was parked the whole mile last time and just missed but he's had plenty of tries at it um, you know the two is is somewhat interesting. But I did hold her record a little bit against her. And she got passed in the stretch last time by my three-horse Master of Liberty and looked like the three just was a lot more live in the lane last time. So, um, yeah, likely raised six and and the three for me over, say, the one and two. I pretty much eliminated everyone else, although – I guess you could look at the four as a possible price play a four-year-old making his first lifetime start not something you see every day you know was relatively competitive in the qualifier I, I didn't see any I didn't I crossed out five seven eight I didn't see anything out of those did you uh you narrow it down here in the double Mike?
0: yeah I think I'm, I'm looking at a cold double here and I, I agree on the okay. three master of liberty I I just mm-hmm. uh, there's there's a lot to like here like you say uh a three year old Philly here, third start back uh, since that, uh, since turning three. I, I like that. I like the improvement last time, especially. Mm-hmm. Make much money in that race, but still kick 30 and two there, which on an off track, uh, I do think is is solid. You get a, a decent draw, uh, probably, you know, has shown the ability to be up close, too. And some of these others really haven't. So from right. this post, I would think that if it's go time, that they're going to be aggressive here. And uh, now certainly you're not going to get 18 to one on this horse. I mean, you'll be lucky to get three to one, I think here. Mm-hmm.
1: I think you um, might get three to one, but you're yeah, you're definitely not getting anywhere near 18 to one.
0: Uh, so I, I, that was that was my pick there. I, I do think that, like you said, the one is is a horse that's going to take money, but it's a four year old gelding. Uh, finally took a little bit of a bet last time uh, mm-hmm. versus these types of horses and was de- like you said, parked the whole way. Parked uh, the mile.
1: Couldn't connected- go buy a horse that was like one for 50, though. So that's a yeah. strike against him.
0: So connections are solid there, uh, but I was going to try to beat that one with the three, just on the the grow up factor alone. I don't mind your six though. I, I think that mm-hmm. that's worth a shot. Uh, another that, and and you mentioned the four. What what's mm-hmm. your take on horses that are you know th- th- somebody has kept this horse around to be four years old and be a first time starter here? So mm-hmm. there has to be something there to be to have this horse training up this long to kind of make a late start to a career. Uh, I, I don't right. necessarily think that's a negative all the time.
1: No, that would be. I mean, I've seen Eric Nyhart do this kind of thing before, and they don't usually pop first time out. That's why I kind of stayed off them. But yeah, f- to bring the horse out at four and you've kept him for that long and and trying to get him to the races, he must have some ability, you would think. But yeah, he you, he has brought out kind of older type maidens like this before, and a lot of times they'll. They'll be competitive, let's say, but they don't usually win first time out. So that's why uh, I ended up staying off off of that horse. And he's had a, uh, both trainer and driver have had a bit of a tough start to the meet. They they won a few races at uh, last year at big prices, but haven't you know haven't clicked this year yet in this meet. So I I did stay off the four, but I would rather put in the four than you know um, uh, either the outside two horses. I would say, um, but ended up just with three and six. Okay.
0: So we'll move on here. Race number two, second half of that $2 double and it's a $2 minimum. Uh, so that should, again, we, we like these higher minimums. Uh, so for me, that higher minimum, uh, it, it makes you narrow down those tickets. It makes, it forces you to kind of narrow your opinion, but if you're right, you're going to get paid. And that's one thing that's, I wish we would do more of uh, the mm-hmm. second is Phillies and mares maidens. Uh, and there's some more conditions uh, that go along here. Now, I want to say here too, eight horse field didn't mention it in the first race. They go seven across, the eight's right. a trailer. So that's a trailer important. now.
1: And that is different from the way Fraser used to race eight across on the same track, same everything. So that's something they changed last year. Um, so, yes, eight is a trailer. So that's something to note for sure.
0: I was uh, pretty much all in on the one here. I, I didn't mind uh, the, the horses, Martini, please, the one. Uh, This Mm -hmm. horse came back, another horse going from two to three, came back there on February 22nd, led a long way and was able you know, was picked up late by some of those horses that, that, uh, you know, just were better in the lane. But that was a good start off the bench. I thought, especially off a qualifier, Uh, this horse had some breaking issues last year, still ended up making a few dollars on limited starts, didn't break. Uh, Had the rail first time back at three. I like, I thought those were positives. I think this horse will be up front and they're going to have to catch her. I think that she'll win.
1: I crossed out everybody except for one, five, six, but then I narrowed it down. I wanted to go a two by two double and I narrowed it down to five and six. So I left out your one, Uh uh, Mike, but I I did, I obviously see her as a win uh, candidate, but I think she's going to take a little bit too much money for me. Off that last start, and I really honestly thought she should have held on last time. Although it was her first start, it seemed like she had, you know, really basically easy fractions. I liked the terrace moved her to the top, and then she got a little—I don't know—I was, was a little surprised she gave it up that bad late. So I'm going to try the five and six. Both of them are making their first start this year. The five's making her first start lifetime, but the the factors with the five and six I liked are. You know, the five beyond the horizon, a vertical horizon Philly, Vertical horizon's been just (laughs) the sire uh, in Western Canada the last couple of years been just been red hot with uh, seems like everything that makes the races uh, by vertical horizon. But more than that, the Abbots have been very good here to start the meet. Gord Abbott, training percentage 513. John Abbott driving at a 494. And the qualifier... Uh, to me indicates readiness because she qualified on the same off track that these horses have been racing on, most of them, and a lot of them in these maiden classes have been going 2-4. She wins in two, 2 and 4 and the last quarter is huge for me, Mike. 29 flat on the off track at Fraser. Like you mentioned in the first race, you know 30 and change has been considered pretty much a good last quarter at Fraser on that off track. She kicks home 29 flat in the qualifier. I think she's ready to roll, so I used her. I also used the six Senorita Draco because I saw her racing in all those stake races last year against Phillies that were just obviously better than her over Ice Great Emotion. They dominated that Millbank series, but she was picking up thirds in there um, and racing pretty well. Doesn't face the stakes company in here, just straight maidens, coming back for the obviously super powerful Jim Marino stable. Anytime Marino uh enters one you got to take a look at he's been using scott knight as his top man and they've been you know they've obviously they're just a powerful powerful uh combo so for me i'm going to try to beat the one with the five or the six
0: i understand uh your points on those horses and and i agree Mm -hmm. that both of them are definitely win candidates it's i think they're tough reads though uh you know first timer, and and that you know was a nice qualifier but perfect trip there uh Mm -hmm. You know, powerful born. That horse could take a lot of money in this race. Uh, you know, too. And you know, the the six is another one. Made twenty thousand last year. Like you said, picked up some checks with some inside draws and 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 was beaten pretty far in some of those stakes races. No disgrace. I mean, did well at yeah. two uh, qualifier was solid. But uh, maybe these two need a race, whereas the one yeah, has had prep. And that's sort of where I wanted to go. And I, I really didn't want to spread out. I do understand. And I do, I could get run over uh, with the one here. But I did like the fact that she was able to make that start. And uh, that could give her an advantage. But th- she might not be as fast as the other two. And that's going to be her issue. So those, I think that's a good double. And if, if you can get that right, because there's enough uh, combinations there and enough uncertainty in those two races, that that should be a decent double there on Friday night.
1: Yeah, I mean, even I think my three six with five six, I mean, I bet that for five bucks, let's say it only cost me 20 bucks. I don't think there's any way a $5 double out of those combinations going to pay anywhere near only $20. So that that's the kind of wager I would make there just a two by two. And, um, you know, I agree, you're I think you're the biggest thing in favor of your one is that she did get that start. But I'm going to try to beat her with, you know, with the with the fresh faces that are coming in for the first start this year, the five or the six should pay decent though i do
0: i do agree i think that early double is definitely worth looking at okay so we're we, we talked about the pick five earlier and i know we're going to talk about the pick four uh
2: mm.
0: for the most part when when now pick five starts in race number four uh mm. you, i uh, the reason i don't want to spend a lot of time in this race is because I, I believe that that in high cotton it's probably going to be about one to 50 in the race and and win i don't know yeah. what you're I think she's
1: going to be low. The only reason you can make a you can make a case to bet the pick five instead of the pick four is that $1 minimum. Um, if you're able to catch the right horses later, you're just going to knock a lot more people out with a dollar minimum that you have in the pick five as, as opposed to the pick four, which is 20 cents, which is just, it's kind of a strange way to do it. You know, the pick four with less legs and you got the lower minimum. But I agree, you could just take my pick four that I'm going to give out and single in high cotton in the first leg of the pick five um and i would bet either one for a dollar so i mean if in high cotton wins then you just probably write out your pick five and if somehow she doesn't win you could come back and bet the pick four um because i think she is definitely class in there face, facing much easier i like outlaw end of an era's qualifier is phenomenal but she only won one race last year and 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 i can't make a big case for the other one so so i see where you're coming from there in high cotton you know uh first leg single in the pick five would be logical yeah i think that so
0: and i agree so again pick five starts in race four dollar minimum uh i would be singling the six i think murray said he would be singling the yes. six. so we're gonna look at the pick four though because i think it's more competitive and it's it's uh another bet that i want to get involved in friday night it starts in race number five uh this race is numbers of two or eleven thousand life i think it's a competitive race i was too deep in here I think you have some different ones though, Murray. Who'd you like there?
1: Well, I, I originally wrote down one, two, three, six, eight. And then for the uh, purpose of keeping the bet down and trying to beat a favorite, who I think the three is going to be the favorite, I'm pretty sure, favorite in the program uh, was 45 cents on the dollar two starts ago. I ended up taking out the three. I'm going to try to beat the three, and I end up going with one, two, six, and eight. I could tell you why. You First, you could see right away why I don't like the three, uh, no wins this year, one win last year, two for 30 lifetime. I tend to try to go against those, even if it's Marino and Knight. That's the scary part. But this horse, Heart of a Dragon, for me, she hasn't shown the heart or the killer instinct enough for me to just win races. So I think there's four horses in here. Though I'm stretching it a bit with the eight, that, that you could make a case could beat her. So um I went one, two, six, eight. The one is an obvious use, even though she's raced in the maidens and moving up to numbers a two. She's two for two this year. She gets that sweet rail trip. As she, you know, she rode the two-hole each of her last two starts. If she gets a two-hole behind the three, I honestly think she'll go by. So that's a that's a definite use for Glenn White. Uh, Outlaw Electric Blue. Perhaps I'm showing you know some Alberta favoritism because I got to go with the Outlaw horse with Connie hammer but she has some very nice horses. This horse has got three straight seconds. Does race against tougher here. I could see why you could put a knock on her, but I, I like the way she's been closing and racing. So I put in the two, put in the six. Pretty obvious use here for her. uh Competitive, very competitive in the stakes last year. Made forty six thousand, and then she's had that key. Initial start of the year, just like you were talking about with your horse there in the second, Mike. And uh that's a I think that's a pretty obvious horse you gotta you gotta use there. I think Dave Houdon's gonna be aggressive with great emotion. And then I put in the eight. This is partly because I like Kelly Hortz driving at Fraser. It's hard for me to leave him out. He does well and has what done well in the past driving for Randy Rutledge. And this horse was first up with a big move down the backside last time, and then still only got beat by two lengths. So I kind of like that effort. And she's going to trail here and follow the one. Uh, likely won't have to come first up, and may just be one of those, you know, sneak up the passing lane type winners that we see so often at Fraser. So I went one, two, six, eight, and I'm trying to beat the three.
0: I, uh, the, it's tough to leave the three Alice race just because I, I just absolutely. Think- maybe she's faster than these horses. Uh, but, but you're right. She doesn't, she's a share type. Uh,
1: those That's my, horses- my angle for the pick four. Cause the ones I like later, I think are kind of obvious. That's mm-hmm. why I left the three out here as well. But you have the three. I
0: do. I, I do mm. think that the, you know, there, there are a couple chances for her to win. She could probably win on the front. She could win tripping out in the deuce. She's won from off the pace in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. to, like I said, she does not win much. Uh, I do think though that she could be tough, but my top picks the sixth grade emotion, okay. uh, two year old going to three uh, raced well last year in the series uh, like we talked about earlier. And like you said, I think that got to start under her belt now should be aggressive here and uh, we'll be up close. I think that the three and the six dominate the race. The, the other yeah. horses are, are coming out of, I think lesser type races now they could step up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, these, these two aren't overwhelming types, but, um, you probably are going to have to beat those two. Uh,
1: to I win think Dave, I think the six, if I had to single, I would single six. I think Dave is going to leave with her and be aggressive. And I think he's going to go right down the highway. And I just don't see the three passing. Um, or even if the three tries to cut it, that's going to be, you know, too hard for her. Um, but yeah, for me, the six, I'm glad to see my buddy, uh, looking at the owner line, Brent Grundy, a friend of mine, former great Alberta driver and Alberta harness judge, is a co-owner on this horse. So I will be definitely pulling for the six. Um, but you've got six and three, pretty logical. You're not worried about the one because she's coming out of Maidens?
0: Not really. I mean, but she she could be improved. She's an, she's done very well since turning three. Uh, she's mm. had perfect trips, though. Uh, now you get the rail. She's had some perfect posts. Uh, that made me a little curious. Uh, I could see her winning. I just think that she needs to get faster to beat a couple of these horses. So right. And that's sort of the thought there. And I do think she'll take some money. Okay, so moving on, race number six, mm-hmm. Phillies and Mares, non-winners of four or 27,000, a lifetime. Uh, this is, a, I thought, was a tougher race. I was uh, many deep in
2: here, three deep.
1: Uh, what say mm-hmm. you? At first, I was looking like I was going to maybe spread in this race. And then the more I looked at it, the more I only like two and five. I, I just narrowed it down to two and five. The two hearts of racing takes a huge drop here. I mean, racing against the straight non-winners of six fillies. We're talking about Western Summit, Hot Piece of Ace, and High Cotton. All three of those were fillies and mares preferred mayors last year at Fraser, like top class, right? So she's gone from racing against what I would consider basically the top class mayors, to a $9,000 condition claimer here. She's in for the 9000 plus allowance tag. Like, that's a huge drop. Plus, she's won two out of her past four, and if you take out that race against those horses that are absolute bearcat, she's won two of her past three. So uh, I like the inside post for her. I like the drop. So the two for me there, Tyson Jacoby's done well driving her. I also put in the five. She's been racing in claimers, uh, which is somewhat surprising considering her breeding, she has the same Breeding as uh, the unbelievable Philly Divine Art that we had here in in Alberta that won like 18 races in a row, but um, she's been in claimers lately for Kelly. But I think he maybe figured something out. I like the positive sign that he took her out of the claimer. She's not in for a price here. I like the I like the score last time on the off track by you know more than two lengths coming home 28 and four. You know she seems seems like he's getting her figured out a bit where last year was a bit of a struggle. So I think she's dangerous in here. I don't know how you can make a case for six, seven, or eight. Um, You could possibly make a case for one, three, or four, but I ended up with just two and five.
0: I have two of those. Uh, I do like Hearts of Racing, and she's about, you know, not every other type where, you know, she's Mm -hmm. on, off, she's on, she's off. Uh, Too tough last time, just in way too tough. Yeah, those are tough mares. Is a much better spot here. You get an inside draw. She's going to be tough, and, and she, but she seems to need some things to go, and she never really takes a whole lot of money either. Mm. Um, yeah. She she has five fifty four <laughs> lifetime. But she does need things to go her way, yeah. and, uh, You know, so I I do think that she's very logical, but I, I don't mind the four crown princess in the race. Uh, I think that she has the speed to be you know competitive she's been competitive versus hearts Racing in the past mm-hmm. and uh, now she has she's lost to her but at least she's in the mix there she's you know a, a four-year-old mare five, she has five wins and and half as many starts as the two does so mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: you know and Good that point. was a quick, pace early last time and she was involved in that so i'm interested in her and then the, the five i do think is logical also has started the year pretty well two wins five starts uh, has mm-hmm. made thousand i mean a lot of these horses look very similar and uh, probably need their trip to win, but it's probably going to be one of those three. So I was two, four, five in race number six. Race seven, we got five claimers, uh, and and these are usually some wild races. And I thought that this was a, a race that you could narrow down a little bit. I, I'm spreading Spready in the last race. Uh, where are mm-hmm. you at race number seven, Murray?
1: I just took two of them in here as well. I took the four and the eight, uh, and those are the top two. You know, I'm sure they'll be the top two in the betting, and they're the top two on the on the program. And that's like I say, partly why I want to try to beat the favorite in the first leg because I don't have any huge prices mapped out in this leg. Forever Furley is the next one I would put in, uh, but I, you know, she just has been winning lately against against you know million reasons. Um, and so I, I ended up just with four and 8 million reasons, of course, coming in two straight wins, Marino and night. Um, you know, she's, they just leave her right at the 5,000 level, even though she's raced higher and, and raced, you know, against better horses in the past. So, um, I have to include her and then the horse making the big drop is the eight. Originally I was thinking the eight was going to have the eight hole and have to gun out of there, but actually he's going to be a trailer of course, which I'm not sure if it helps him because this. This horse, this 10-year-old, hasn't won that much the last couple of years, but when he has won, it's been loose on the lead. Um, So I think he's going to want to make his way to the front, but it's a pretty big drop uh from eight down to five there at Fraser. And so I included him as well, four and eight, Um, you know, considering the three. The other horse that I thought was kind of interesting, which is you can't really make a huge case for, it, but you don't see too many horses at Fraser gain 12 lengths in the last quarter. And that's what the two did. And I'm going to say that, that his name is Curves are easy onto eyes. Being a professional announcer, I'm pretty sure that's right, but <laughs> taking a shot at that. But how about how about that, Mike? 29 flat last quarter, gains 12 lengths in the last uh, quarter there last time, and the horse is, uh, hasn't lit the board uh, since uh, 2022. But is 10 for 26 lifetime. It's like I don't know what to make of this horse. What do, what what say you in race seven?
0: Well, I, I looked at that, uh, what you're mm-hmm. saying, too, and, and that's hard to, to look past. I mean, with a 29 yeah. final quarter, and, and you just don't see lines like this where no. they're like last the whole way around by basically for forever and then come flying in 29 and a, and a 56 and three race. And the horse took money in the race also, which is mm-hmm. another thing that, that makes me very interesting because the horse had, had no business taking that money off those lines. I mean, if that's you look true. back, at some of these these back lines, I mean, this other like, than he'd
1: been off since early December, right? So there's something that they liked when they brought him back.
0: But last year, nine starts, uh, nary a sniff didn't make yes, a dollar,
1: zero. <laughs> and then all
0: of a sudden, shows up in a five claimer and makes up, f- you know, fourteen lengths in the last right. half mile at four to one. So and the
1: horse uh, literally hasn't got first, second, or third in two years, but overall right. record lifetime has ten wins and twenty six starts
0: but it's a minnesota bred and probably was you know you see the horse made 100 horses recently
1: running aces and yeah yeah so
0: i don't mind those horses necessarily because uh, some of those minnesota i know they don't seem like they're tough but this is a five claimer right so yeah horses like that that can make a talented enough to win 10 races and make one hundred fifteen thousand and that right i have to be interested in those that's
1: what scared me about that horse so you have them in there
0: I did. I used the yeah. two and then I used the four million reasons just because the horses you know started the year really nice here. Two wins, two mm-hmm. starts, uh, lots of speed, top barn. Uh, you're going to this horse is going to be even money in this race. So, yes, uh, probably she either dominates or uh, the two comes in and really kind of produces on some of that, uh, you know, on the come that we're that we're thinking there. Uh, probably going to be an underlay, though, too with the two. I mean, that's the worry there. I think Uh, I
1: think he might be just because you don't see horses gain that much ground at Fraser very often.
0: Yeah, so I did like that line though, and I just couldn't ignore it. So I was two four in that seventh race, and uh, I'm gonna we go on to the payoff leg. I think that this is a very tough uh, race here, and uh, this is basically the top class. This is uh, preferred types, and there's other conditions Mm -hmm. here. Twenty claiming, nonwears a fifty five thousand lifetime. Tough, tough race, uh, lots of speed, horses that sort of been beating each other a little bit here. Where are we at in this last uh, last part?
1: I originally was going to single Gracie, and then I would have put in horses like that too in the, in the third leg. But then I decided I couldn't single Gracie out of the seven holes, so I ended up with the four, five, and seven in here which are obviously fairly logical but it is a good competitive uh race good competitive mayor's race i put in the four because she's the best closer oh,
0: um, no, it, we have a we have a guest here anthony mcdonald okay. so we're gonna have him jump in sure hi anthony we got you on the pod here me and uh, murray slaws here i don't know if you, I, I think you know murray yeah hey anthony good so we were just finishing up the the frasier portion of the pod but you called in so i thought well now's a good time we'll finish this last race in a minute but yeah. since you're here uh we wanted to i wanted to get you on the first pod for the harness players podcast to to talk about the stable because uh the stable's doing big things huge day at the meadows today yeah yeah we
2: had a good day at the meadows i was happy i won a couple of races for tim and, and Air horse one so it was always a good day
0: and Tim's been doing great at the Meadows for you. Tim's a, Tim's a, a really good friend of mine. I've, I've known Tim. You you might have never known him longer than I have, but uh, he used to train horses for me. Uh, so to see you guys together and like winning races, it's I don't know. It's something that that I just uh, it, it's great for me. Like I just I can't get enough of it. I wish you guys could win every race there. Uh, but the stable. How long have you guys been going now? I mean, this is where you're close to ten years
2: yeah i
0: think we're coming up on 10 years so for people that are unfamiliar uh which most people listening to this podcast should be familiar i know murray's familiar murray's had plenty of horses with the stable and I, i'm gonna let murray talk a little bit too because we were talking offline a little bit and he said you know he, he had a great experience with the stable and and he you know he was able to make money with the stable and and that's something i i i think that the you know we need to promote as a possibility it's it's not just that that you're in it and and you're you know you're involved with the races and things like that there there are people that are doing well and making money doing this
2: yeah um will probably tell you also we don't really promote um you know to be honest if, if you know and you guys have been around horses long enough if you bought 10 horses how many of them are really realistically expected to make money i mean and and i said this i was in i was in uh, florida last week speaking about fractional ownership to to the hhi group out of um well i know kim hankins out of meadows but i i, I was clear about one thing and i'm clear about it to all our all our clients to sign up you know if you want to have fun i think mean, fractional ownership is wonderful as a whole I, I i'd have to disagree with you i think that uh, horse racing as a whole is a terrible investment there's nothing wrong with that you know people hear that and they shudder and they laugh right it, we've missed the boat on, on what horse racing is especially in the 21st century it is the cheapest form of entertainment possibly on planet earth as far as mainstream mainstream sports and entertainment go you get a chance to come out to the barn well i guess murray didn't but he, he can tell no. you how we work at uh at keeping keeping our, our clients informed and making sure they understand what their horses are doing at all times whether they're um you know close enough to feed them carrots or whether they're on the other side of the world and i think that's very important and and building that community spirit and allowing people to become a part of horse racing and fall in love with the game that we did not just about the horses and certainly not just about racing but being a part of something big like the stable is 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 really impressive and that's something i didn't I didn't foresee happening when we when we built the stable. It was about racing. It was about coming to the barn. It was about being part of a, a group or that family mentality. But I didn't see it becoming what it what it has over the last little while. It, it it truly
1: is uh, humbling to watch it take place on a daily basis for sure. Well, yeah, I can I can speak to my experiences. It's what everything Anthony said. I I, I didn't buy in to try to get rich or or because I thought every horse was going to be. You know, the, the next coming of some beach somewhere, certainly anything like that. But what the reason that I did well in it overall, and I had a good experience whether I made money or not, was that I bought in on some of the lower uh, priced uh, yearlings when you first bought them at sales, specifically a lot of Ohio breads out of the Ohio sale. And a lot of their, their shares were pretty inexpensive when you guys first got them. And I bought in on those and then they, a lot of them did quite well. um, And they raised for a lot of money in Ohio. So usually do okay on purses, but then sell this. And then I sold a lot of the shares for just way more than I paid for them originally. Right. Which is, which is, which is pretty fun. Like, I mean, I never thought when I was a kid wanting to own a horse that I'd be able to go on a website and basically, you know, Trade trade shares back and forth, buy, sell, do whatever you want, all on a website. Didn't even have to talk to anyone or or go in and fill out a bunch of paperwork. You know what I mean? It was. I mean, you have to have a license, of course, but that was a lot of fun for me. Uh, the constant updates are great. Uh, being able to watch you guys train them on your own track and see all of those training miles with the drone cameras and everything that you guys have. I mean, that's phenomenal um those are some of the things that I remember but yeah the reason specifically I did well was was you know was those Ohio breads honestly and that was a strategy that I adopted I think maybe a few years before other people maybe kind of noticed how well you were doing in Ohio yep
2: and I think Ohio is is uh, a bit of a unique place probably a big reason that my wife and I my kids spend a little more time here right now it it has nothing to do with any dislike for any other jurisdiction or a want or need to, to get out of Ontario? Mm-hmm. Opposite, I think the want and the need was to grow the stable. And when, you know, the person, you know, my brother driving the horse is a leading driver in Canada and we have, you know, trainers like Carrie like Bolton and, and obviously a good friend of mine and Dominic do very responsible people and very sharp horse people. There's less of a need for me to be over there. I always want to gravitate towards the younger horses. And we often... Mm-hmm. Because uh, especially with the Canadian winters, uh, it's not that that the Cleveland area is much different. But when we had the opportunity to have uh, 40 or 50 babies at a at probably one of the at the, you know one of the nicest half-mile tracks in the world, it, it is a feather in our cap. And for it not to be that far from Ontario, it allowed me to do it uh, remotely for a few years and and um, a little more. Uh, hands-on this year. I, I love the fact that I can work with my wife and, you know, she's in the barn and, and taking care of the babies because we both understand what's at stake. And it's not just winning races. It's, it's you know, the, the future of the stable is the future of my family also. And it means a lot to me. I think it very seriously. And I think that the the operation as a whole, the way we have it set up, is good. It's it's getting better. It's going to get better over the next year. But uh, I think year over year, both the horses were getting the way we're operating the stable and the the model in which uh, we have now that we've uh, like to tell our clients, we pivoted a little bit is uh, is working well. And it's a system that has come from a lot of the same way that my life is doing something wrong to learn how to do it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Quite a long time to do quite a long time to do that. But uh, I think we're, we're on the right track. We're doing some really interesting, cool things. I think my only, my only uh, want and need is that more people do the same and, and I think hopefully that's coming in the future too
0: so how many horses do you have now how many how I big think is the last stable?
2: count was like 100, 147 I think uh, somewhere around there we have just over 900 clients that operate with us under uh, 14 well, fourteen countries so um, it's, it's big um, obviously the, probably the reason that people notice us is because we are so big but I think fractional ownership is much bigger than the stable, and and it's going to play a massive role uh, moving forward in, in this industry as it should.
0: The, the thing that I like about uh,
2: the
0: the way you do things is just that there's just so many positives. Uh, just just to, to hear Murray talk and say, oh, I, I like this part of it. I, I like that I could see the horse's train on your track. I like the drone views. I like the constant updates. I like that I could go on and make – uh, transactions without like having to talk to anybody. I mean, there's so many Mm -hmm. positive things there, like, right. There's, you you know, somebody that that was in it and, and that did do well and, and and was smart enough to kind of zig and zag and things. I mean, and was able to, to, to watch races. and, And I know what it feels like as an owner to, to watch your horse race. I mean, there's, there's nothing like that. I just can't, there's, there's, there's nothing like it.
2: And and that goes back to my original point was, you know, by not focusing on trying to turn a profit, not to say that you can't, not to say that you shouldn't, but by not focusing on that, by what we'll always preach, and I'm sure Murray can tell you this also, is getting involved with disposable income. And everybody has a little little bit of money, whether obviously some people have more than others, but a, a chunk of money that is earmarked at any point in time for that year for entertainment, whether that's going out to eat, or whether that's going to the movies a number of times, or whether that's going on vacation, Disney World, or anywhere, everybody has a little bit of money earmarked for entertainment. And that money is the money that our industry should be after, because dollar for dollar, there's no one that can compete with us. Murray can tell you, you know, he said, you know, the horses that we bought in Ohio were affordably priced. So if you buy a horse for, if I buy a horse for $18,000 at the yearling sale, that means you can buy 1% of that horse for one hundred and eighty dollars in your monthly bills somewhere says of 30 bucks most of the time turning training down so there isn't any entertainment on planet earth that can compete with us that's less than that's less than my phone purchase and my my phone bill amount every single month and to be able to be a part of this industry for that amount is extraordinary and and that's where this industry has truly taken a wrong turn you know we we made the mistake originally of branding the sport of kings there's is not the sport of kings. It is and always has been a sport of everyday people. And you know, when, when it when it comes to how we perceive ourselves and how we move forward, we should know that. But sure, thoroughbred racing and you're talking about, you know, the the Kentucky Derby and things of that nature. And it, yeah, okay, I get it. But if we're gonna continue to call this the sport of kings, how are you ever gonna expect to attract normal everyday people? And I I By telling people what it is and what it isn't, it's not a great investment, but I can tell you it is the best, the most fun you'll ever have and probably the best way to spend your your entertainment dollar. And that is the way this industry should be branded because that is what it is.
1: Yeah, and yeah and I-, I agree 100% with everything Anthony said, in ter- especially in terms of entertainment dollar. I mean, the money I invested into the stable horses was obviously disposable income. I could have put it into a variety of different things. Um, it wasn't going to be crushing to me at all if if it didn't work out. But being a harness racing fan my whole life, I bought in on a horse that cost Yeah, the shares, I believe, on one horse I bought and on my jazz, I think you might remember, Anthony, maybe $110, $120 when I bought those shares, right? And then I got to watch that mare win on Little Brown Jug Day in Delaware, Ohio, right? With Roger Houston calling. I mean, as a harness racing fan my whole life, can you beat that? I mean, the horse didn't win the jug, but (laughs) it's it was still on jug day. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of entertainment. That's a thrill that I got out of a horse that, uh, you know, was an underdog all the way and, and was a, you know, a, a low, a lower end yearling purchase for you guys. And she ended up doing that. So, I mean, that's, that's phenomenal entertainment. A lot of bang for your buck too, in my books.
2: Oh, 100%. Imagine all the people now that bought into Centra before we won the World cup in South, and East Coast of
1: to Canada. Oh, absolutely. Course,
2: you know, just, you know, and way back when, when, when my wife and I, of course, we picked out and trained down, raced in the Hamiltonian eliminations. I mean, it's it just, it's, this This is a, a wonderful sport full of lots of highs and lows. And for an avid sports enthusiast, it is, it is a, a tremendous, tremendous sport. And we need to simply, you know, we need to simply allow society to become to become part of the sport. And we just had done a really terrible job doing it. And I I truly hope that um, the jurisdictions out there, and and you hear everybody now talking about horse shortages, and and the truth of the matter is, it starts way beyond that. It isn't just a horse shortage, it's a horse shortage caused by an owner shortage and, and a lack of supply and demand. And until we start to address some of the core, fundamental problems with this industry, it's only gonna get worse.
0: Well, I would say, is, is for, and, and that's absolutely true, but w- one thing is is you guys uh, at the stable, you're not one of the problems. You're one of the, the, the things that I think is a positive about the sport, and you guys, you know, you, you're doing the right things, and you're trying to get the right people involved, and, and you're continuing. I mean, this has gone on for quite a while. You're, you're involved with with people that care about horses, you, 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 never, you never have any bad press around, you know, the stable you never had, you're not with trainers that are, you know, getting themselves in trouble and things like that. You're, you know, you I know the people that you're involved with and, and those are the people that they care about horses like a hundred percent. So I, you can't, I can't say enough about that. Those are the people that I want to be involved with. And, and, you know, if, if I'm going to be an owner, I, I don't want to have my trainer be, you know, dragged through the, the thing saying they're cheating and things like that. Stuff like that is just, you know, you'll never see that around you guys. And, and I think that that's something, too, that that is a positive and, and that people need to know because you get the, that bad press, the bad stigma, like you're saying, all these problems around racing. Well, that's not, that's not what we're talking about here. Like, we're talking about the positive things. We're talking about the things that we want to be involved in. And you can be involved in for a very, you know, a small investment and, uh, you know, get a lot of the positives out of it.
2: Well, I mean... It, it's the whole – the industry is what you make of it, right? And I, and I, as some of you drove horses for – and still do, but drove horses for well over 20 years, I've seen every nook and cranny of this industry. And you know we need to have more good people involved, and there's lots of good people that want to be involved, and we don't really have an outlet for them to do so, right? If you don't know what the stable is and you've never been in racing and you go to your racetrack and you walk up to any kiosk or any information counter and say, hey – how much does it cost to buy a horse and how would I go about doing that? There isn't a human being that could help you do that. No one. We don't have any outlets for people to get involved. We don't have any outreach. We don't work hard to bring people into this industry. And those are the, the fundamental flaws that we have is that we need, we need to attract society. And, and I have people all the time saying, it's not that easy. Listen, we have over 900 clients and, the people that are in the other 12 countries that aren't Canada or the United States will never touch their horses. If I can convince a guy in Germany to buy a piece of a horse that he will never see with his own two eyes, other than on a TV screen, then anybody can get people involved in this industry. And there's a ton of people that will easily look at what they get for the small amount of money that they put in to buy a piece of a horse. And, take a look at it. I mean, the one thing is, is that, you know, as Murray was saying, we try to be as transparent as we can, right? We try to show shine a light on everything, whether it be pieces of the bill operation or our equipment that the horses race uh, used to race or the tracks they race at all the information that we give our clients. We try to, we try to do the best we can to disseminate all of it because that's what other people, that's what people are after. Also, you know, there's lots of times where I'll go on and talk about shoeing changes we're thinking and making or equipment changes we're thinking of making or why we castrated a horse or what cryoing a splint means. These are all things that people people love to soak all this stuff up. And most trainers are, are good people. If you, if you asked a trainer to walk into a bar and talk to any of the people in there about buying a horse, they couldn't do it. But if any one of those people walked into a trainer's barn and spoke to them, they probably talk to them for hours because most people <laughs> – you know, we're, we're we're immersed in the horse racing side of horse racing, but enjoy having people around. Harry Poulton's a perfect example. This is a guy that is very, and I mean this in the nicest way, but very reclusive, right? He focuses on the horses and the barn and is not a type of person that will go out and, and you know, just talk to strangers and be in a, a very social way. But you can take any number of people and put them in Harry Poulton's barn. And I have them ask them questions, and he'll sit there and talk to you all morning. And that is the difference be, That that is the difference between our industry growing and not. How do we get those people from every different part of society into the eye line or earshot of a trainer and have them talk to a trainer and understand what the industry is all about? We, we don't do that. There's no way to do that. You're not going to see people drive up to First Line Training Center, open the door, get out, and just walk into a stranger's barn and stop, talk, start talking to them. We as an industry owe it to ourselves and our horse people to do a better job to allow them to uh, interact with, with people in society, and we, we don't do that, right? What racetrack holds holds meet and greet with with trainers? None for the most part, right? What tracks, what other way to do that? What jurisdictions do? You know, when I was in Florida last week, I, I made it clear, the two biggest problems that this industry faces from my standpoint right now the two biggest hurdles we have is license reform because when we do get people involved uh, the people that we see leave which which isn't many of them but the people that will go on our site look on our site and then reach out to us the reason they don't buy every single time is because of the licensing involved with owning a horse Mm -hmm. and people make the cost of doing business it's not it's stupid it's like charging fifty dollars to get in the bar you don't need all that money up front you charge ten dollars to get in the bar and your beers are two dollars more than they need to be and that's how you get it. And, and as an industry, we need to understand how to get people involved in the indoor industry. First and foremost is license reform, without a doubt. And until we until we find a way to get past that, we're in a tough spot. The second what the second thing that is that is uh, that needs to be fixed in our industry is is um, oh excuse me. Um, um, having the hubs in place for people to get involved if they need to. So I, I call them hubs. You can call them websites, whatever you need be. We need to have our horsemen's associations build these things so that if you go on the site, here's a list of trainers that are, are uh, looking, actively looking for uh, owners, and those people only need to have a website, an email address, you know, a bio, some pictures on there, their burn on there, contact info, stuff of that nature. I know that mm-hmm. the reason a lot of these jurisdictions don't want to do it because they don't want to get in. What happens if they say, hey, the stable is a wonderful organization. I think you should buy horses at the stable. And then our trainers get a positive test or I get arrested or something happens. They don't want to back the wrong horse, so to speak. But you don't have to. What they should do is back every horse. It should be done through the Horsemen's Association. And if you're the Ohio State Racing Commission, you don't need to be saying these trainers are great trainers. But what you should do is the Ohio Horsemen's Association is reach out and say, okay, we're going to build a website. We're going to help with outreach. Rather than, than uh, just spending all our money blindly on marketing inside our industry, what we're going to do is take some of that money and market these hubs, market our trainers. But in return, these trainers also have to go out into society and meet people and talk to people, have mixers, have have meet and greets all over, all over the state of Ohio or New Jersey or New York or, or where have you. And from there, I'd, I'd asked people last week, I said, hey, how many states race in, in the U.S.? How many, tri- how many states have a race tri- have horse racing? Is it standard racing? I believe the gentleman told me 14. So that's wonderful. I, last time I checked, there's 50 states in the union. I think there's, there should be a way to reach out to the other 36 states. When we're done doing our business in these 14 states, at that point, there's an opportunity to reach out and when you look at the demographic of people that own horses in the stable whether uh, all their all their cultural differences or different financial situations we have almost all of them so we've gone from attracting you know 46 to 65 year old wealthy males and females with lots of disposable income to every single person on planet earth that's 8 billion people last i checked
0: yeah i think those are great ideas and and i agree with you uh you know i I know that I mean, I, have been, been in love with racing for, for 30 years, uh, but it took me reaching out to the and saying, Hey, you know what, I, am thinking about buying a horse. Now this was a, this was years ago, obviously, but th- that's I, I, how I got connected. I had to reach out to them. They connected me with Tim and, and the rest is history. I mean, and, and I was involved. And so, but like you said, if, if you can't make those connections. Then it's if you don't know, there's there's a lot of people that have no clue that that you're racing horses like right down the road. I mean, so you're right. Those connections have to be made because if you get people out to the track, I mean, a lot of people are going to stick. Like, that's the thing. Like if you're exposed to it, but if you never see it or you have no clue it's there, then, you know, I mean, there's there's nothing there's 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 no connection.
1: I think the, I think the key is the removing the barrier to entry. That's like, that's a key to what Anthony said, just making it so much easier for people to get involved. We make it hard, right? I mean, the licensing is one thing. Like I think Anthony knows I wouldn't hang onto a horse that was going to race in New York cause I had to go get fingerprinted. I mean, I'm just not going to do that. I don't have time in my day to go get fingerprinted cause I own one or 2% of a horse. Like that is ridiculous, Right? Why do we make it so hard for people to get involved? Another example is, you know, a buddy of mine on on Twitter, and I and I know him from Manitoba, Trey Colbeck. He loves a horse named Tito Santana. Like two three years ago, he's like, I'd like to claim this horse for five thousand bucks. What do I do? And I'm like, well, you know, you could talk to the race office and and go from there. And he didn't do it because it was it was too hard and too complicated and too much paperwork. Right? We just the barrier to entry. Um, that's something the stable. Is doing well removing, but as an industry, we've got a lot of work to do on that. Oh, it's,
2: it's terrible, and you hit it right in the head. I mean, I just told you we have 147 horses, three of them might be New York breds for that right. very reason. And that's sad because I don't mind New York, we just don't race there, and they go for a lot of money too. Of because
1: Absolutely, because, yeah, but 100%. the licensing is impossible.
2: I mean, somebody was telling me they said, Well, we have to check every single person that comes through. I said, Really? Do you find a bunch of drug dealers and murderers trying to get <laughs> illegally in the in the industry? Right. You know, most people had passports. They've already had. They've already had um, pretty intrusive searches into their life, I believe. And and in this day and age, it's no different than when you go to the border, right? You might there might be uh, five thousand people online, right, at the Canadian border on a, on a July day, but you're not going to search every trunk, right? It's the idea right. that. You find somebody with drugs or something that they shouldn't have on their person or in their vehicle, they're going to go to jail. Well, it's the same as our industry. If you rip up their license and find them a thousand dollars to suspend them or whatnot for not telling the truth on, on the truth on their on their uh, license application. That's on them, but you shouldn't treat everybody like they're like they're like they're doing something illegal.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. Everybody. They're treating everyone like they're a criminal. And I mean, if you were, why would a yeah. criminal want to own one percent of a horse racing in New York? It doesn't make any sense, right? You're not. It's not something that you're going to make any money out of or it's not a big deal, right? They should, yeah, it's, they're not going to find those kind of people that are are buying in on the horses. Well, they could,
2: but they don't need to. They could, right. Do you know how much it costs to license in Australia? How much? Zero dollars. No
1: kidding. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's a smart idea
2: doing it it's not it's not as much the intrusiveness it's the redundancy you know when you look at it do you think that do you really think that my fingerprints change when i cross the border into another state mm-hmm. there are <laughs> lots of loopholes and legalities i'm sure if i sign a waiver saying you're free to use my fingerprints in any jurisdiction you want there shouldn't be a problem but we don't do that do we right you, go to New York, you gotta get fingerprinted you go here you go there you have to get fingerprinted they don't fingerprint anymore in ontario it's not necessary it's ridiculous. Right. In this day and age, in this day and age, you should be able to investigate anybody you want, almost just in social media if you want to. And as far as saying you need to do a background check on every single human being that is licensed, of course you don't. Tell me how many you've caught lying, or tell me how many you know serial killers you caught trying to get licensed in the state of New York and New Jersey over <laughs> the last twenty years. Like, come on, let's, let's be honest here. It's a cash yeah. grab. What it is, and it's costing our industry dearly, and and you just don't under they don't understand that, and there there is no argument to be made to tell me that you have to front load so much money for a Canadian client, for us to for for a Canadian client to get one percent ownership in a horse in New York, right? Mm-hmm. So you buy a horse for twenty thousand. That's a two hundred dollars. That's two hundred dollars. That's what it's going to cost you. Okay. That same person has to get fingerprinted have all those cards have everything done it will cost you over $200 Canadian to get your license for 1%.
1: That's exactly. You
2: have to. So it just until our industry understands it's it's real problems, its biggest problem 100% in getting new people into the industry is license reform. Until we address that, none of that is going to matter. And there's going to be people that are going to hear this they are going to say no it's not it's the purses and it's the horse shortage and it's owner shortage or it's all, 100% it's all those things. But I can tell you right now, for us, it isn't an owner shortage. It's a lack of understanding of how to to attract people from society to own horses. That's first and foremost, and fractional ownership can fix that. But to get those people in, think of how many people, if we have over 900 clients, I guarantee you over the last five years, 50 people have walked away from this industry because of licensing. For sure. Mm -hmm. That's more owners than most barns have right now. Right. we lost them because they just don't want to get licensed. You might say, well, if you don't want to pay $200 for licensing, you should not own a horse. Why not? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand that. It makes no sense to me. That's like saying, well, I, I charge $10 for Pepsi at my machine. And if you don't, if you're not that thirsty, then I guess you're just not going to get Pepsi. <laughs> I guess so. I can assure you what's going to happen. And no one's buying you Pepsi. That's what's going to happen. So and it's, it's, it's a sad reality. It's just, it's the biggest hurdle in racing and nobody talks about it right
0: now. They don't understand. Now. So if people want to get involved. Um, obviously go to stable.ca website. I know you're very accessible via email. Um, you know, lots of horses for sale right now on the, uh,
2: -hmm.
0: on the stables website. Any, anything that, uh, that you want to promote horse wise? Uh,
2: no, I mean, when it comes to our horses, I think everybody should have all the information they want. I mean, I'm always sheepish about, about plugging horses in, in February or March or really anytime, because it's such a, it's such a fickle industry anyway. I mean, who's to say we raced two horses tonight in Ohio that I thought were, you know, they had a lot of upside as young horses. And it just seems to me like after tonight anyway, and maybe that'll change in the future that they just seem rather ordinary. And until they get to the races, until they see the starting gate, until they race, in a race with other horses, you really don't know. Some horses that I didn't really hold in that high regard have got to the track, seen the gate, and really come to life. And other horses you just thought were going to be very good turned out to be rather ordinary. So it's really hard for me to to get behind horses at this time of year. We're going to put all the work in all of them. Everybody can watch that take place, and then you know do your due diligence. And, and if there's something you're looking for in particular, I'm happy to help. Affiliate, trotter, pacer, colt, whatever, mm-hmm. a certain jurisdiction certain color if you want but when it comes to <laughs> a which one do you like before warrant and not that good at picking
0: them up. <laughs> well i'm looking at the site right now looks like uh there's quite a few uh two-year-olds on on the site and shares are, are available yeah. any uh like i i know you, you guys have done some big ticket. you talked about cintra some of these bigger ticket type um yeah. purchases um uh, still plans to keep doing that sort of thing
2: yeah um you know, we always have a large group of people that are after race horses, so we'll accommodate them best we can. It's hard to acquire horses right now. We have sold a few horses over the last couple of weeks, and we'll continue to do that as we get through the spring. I think we're always trying to find a better way forward, and it's not easy. You know, there's a million different ways to do things, and I I, I just think that from year uh, year over year, it changes a little bit, right? And it seems like when I look at that, when I look back at racing. 10 years ago it seems quite a bit different than it is today and um maybe that's just the way that we operate maybe that's the model we have but we always try to stay on the front the front end right we know where uh, we do well what classes we do in it some race tracks and um you know some race tracks that we do better at than other tracks so we try to gravitate towards the classes we've done well in and, and keep an eye open for uh horses that may um fit those or or horses that that uh have a lot of upside that may help us in our jurisdiction. That's one thing that we've, I think done well over the last two or three years is moving our horses around well. And, um, that's, that's a, that plays a big role in, in our overall, uh, I guess our, our overall, um, game. Another
0: thing I like what you said was, is, you know, you know, you, you're, interested in in getting people involved in the right scenario so if you're from pennsylvania you know you're probably wanting to get a horse that's going to be racing in pennsylvania if you're in ohio you want to be there or or somewhere close to where you're i mean i know i like to come out and see most not everybody likes to do that but it's an option and that's something that you're willing to accommodate and and i and i love that i mean that that's that's the kind of things that that is going to keep people in it and and that's the kind of stuff that the stable does well
2: i mean when you look at when you look at what you want as a society right uh, we, we try to emulate what we want. And unfortunately, this industry is not being very accommodating to the average person over the last 20, 30 years for the most part. And, you know, when you know, as you were talking about before, the back end of a site, we try to make it easy for people to maneuver around a site because that's what a site should be like, right? If you go to a website, if you go to Amazon or anything else, they're always trying to make the, the experience more user-friendly. And it's the same with us. We are trying to make it easy for somebody in Pennsylvania to buy a Pennsylvania brand. We are trying to make it easy for you to call me or email me if you want. And if you want to see which horses we have that are racing and how they've been doing, we try to make everything as accessible as we can. And I love when somebody that knows nothing about racing calls me on the phone and asks me questions. And I ask them to go on our site almost to rate it have a look around and tell me what we're missing. Tell me what we're doing right or what we're doing wrong. So we can improve the experience for everybody moving forward. And you just don't get a lot of that in the industry. It's almost like, here's your food. If you don't like it to get. And it, it's, I, I just think we need to expect more from, from horse racing. We need to do more. And we have the availability to do it. These, these aren't ridiculous thoughts. And, and, and you know, ridiculous wants from people i I believe our industry should be more accommodating to society and if we do a better job of making it a comfortable place for everyday people people that know lots about racing and people that know nothing about racing to move around in i think you're going to find attendance start to climb again now i'm I'm not i'm not going to come on here and tell you it's going to be like it was 40 years ago you know you hear all the the people that had around in the 70s and 80s, and, and they call it the heyday. We're not going back to the heyday. It's a different heyday, but it can still be a, a wonderful industry for everybody again, and it still can experience growth. It's just going to take hard work from, from a lot of people that don't mind hard work in this industry, and I'm happy to help when I can, but the stable.ca, I think, is a wonderful tool, but on its own, it's not going to make it. And I really hope that jurisdictions and trainers and everybody out there that are stakeholders in this industry work towards you know, it doesn't have to be the stables model it doesn't have to be my model it, it just has to be your model but it we really should have we really should have fractional ownership available to trainers and to people coming into this industry for sure well
0: i I love the attitude I love um, the operation uh, you know and, and I just You know, I love promoting it. So, and it's, it's been great. Like, uh, you know, get involved with you guys and and we're going to have more from the stable here, uh, on, you know, we started the newsletter this past week and, and I really haven't talked about that right really so far on this podcast, but, uh, the, the, the weekly newsletters, uh, you know, been going out now to, to start to promote and, and we're going to have the stable big time involved in that. We're going to try to get you guys, uh, you know, definitely have you on the podcast, maybe some of the trainers, uh, some, even some of the owners and things that uh, having Murray here was, was, was very, uh, Garnett was supposed to be here. He's involved with the stable also. So uh, like, the, you know, so his, his wife's sick, but he had to take a little, a little uh, you know, he couldn't come tonight, but just having everybody to promote the stable. Um, you know, I think I, you know, I can't say enough about it and I'm I'm really happy to have you here and to be able to to talk about it more. And I'm I'm sure we'll be be getting you on for more, especially around the summertime when some of these horses really start to kick in. Uh, So any final thoughts? Yeah,
2: listen, I, am I'm I'm, uh, I try to be optimistic as I can. and, And I think that, you know, I can't say enough. Uh, and and again i hope you do have a number of our clients on and, and i hope they can give you their their perspective of, of uh you know their experience with the stable me talking about it obviously this is something that i hold near and dear to my heart because my wife and i put this together have been working tirelessly on it over the last decade but i really if there are trainers out there that want to open fractional ownership stables and want to move forward and try and get more people involved in their stable we'd be happy to help and and um I hope that that other jurisdictions, whether they hear this or they, they you know, they can see it in print. Um, you know, over the next year, I'm sure we're going to be we're going to be doing some uh, outreach of our own, uh, inside and outside the stable and uh, outside the the industry. and And I hope that uh, the jurisdictions follow our lead because, you know, this is a wonderful industry and and it is shrinking. Everybody knows that it's it's not a horrible thing right now, but as as we start to um, get a better view of what we need to do in the future. I really hope that fractional ownership plays a major role in the expansion of of horse racing.
0: I do as well. Murray, anything you got, anything left for Anthony? I I just,
1: I think uh, very well said by Anthony. I just wanted to say from personal experience, if someone's interested, definitely get a hold of Anthony. I can vouch for the fact that he absolutely does uh, respond to emails um, which is usually a pretty easy way for people to kind of break into something. Send someone an email, ask a few questions, right? So, uh, I don't think Anthony minds if we give out his email. I think we should probably do that. Is it just Anthony at stable.CA
2: If you can't get a hold of me, you're not trying very hard.
1: Yeah, no, no he's he's very phone very phone good at responding.
2: On the website, yeah, I mean it's the one that I'm talking on right now. It's my cell phone number, and the email is the only one that I have. So. Exactly. Um, I'm happy to answer questions all the time that anybody that wants uh, wants to ask, regardless of what it is. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and I do look forward to working with you in the future because, you know, any time we can um, promote our industry, any time we can bring news inside our industry or outside our industry, I think it's very important. And, and uh, obviously you guys have done a great job and continue to do a great job and looking forward to being involved with you in the future also.
0: Awesome. Well, appreciate having you. Uh, I'll certainly be in touch with you and uh, we're going to finish up this, this pod here, but uh, thanks for, uh, for coming on.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, Anthony. My
0: pleasure. All right. Take care guys. That was Anthony McDonald. And he was, I thought fantastic. Uh, just you, you talk about somebody with passion. I mean, holy man. I mean, right. like, who has more passion than that guy about harness racing and about fractional ownership? <laughs> not,
1: not, not just passion, but a lot of excellent points. Like, just a lot of good information there, I think, Mike, that the average person doesn't realize, you know, those licensing issues, that barrier to entry, the different way of thinking about things, right? I mean, yeah. having a list of trainers that are looking for horses at your tra- on your track's website. Like, how simple is that? Why, you know, that should be... That should be the case uh, across every jurisdiction, you know. I mean, good information for sure. Because otherwise, how do you how do you find a trainer to buy a horse with? Like, not many people are going to walk around the barns uh, and they've never been back there and just talk to people. That's not going to happen, right? You need some sort of, you know, uh, introduction and and uh, and some some help. And that's why I said, if you're interested, just email Anthony because he he'll give you the information. But at a local track, there should be a list of trainers that are looking for horses on the, on the track website. Why not, right?
0: Absolutely. I love his ideas. I love his ideas with licensing too, because I've experienced yes. that also. I mean, and and he's he's not wrong about any of that.
1: And no, and- he's right. I, I went through the New York thing myself. Like I said, I said I'm gonna sell this horse. And I, I basically emailed them and said, I've got to sell this horse, he's going to New York. I'm not gonna fill I'm not gonna do their licensing. I'm not gonna get fingerprinted, and I'm not gonna spend, like he said, two hundred dollars to race a horse that I owned one or two percent of. It just doesn't it didn't make any sense in any way. And it was basically a slap in the face. And, I mean, if, if they want people to participate, then make it so that they can, right? I mean, it's it, you're just stopping people from getting involved.
0: Well, Anthony jumped in right at the end of our Pick 4 discussion. Yes. So if you're interested in, in <laughs> what we, want, we we did. Hopefully we did.
1: people are, are hanging uh, hanging on to hear how I finished off this Pick 4 Mike.
0: Finish off the pick four, and how I finish off <laughs> the pick four, and we'll finish it up real quick. uh Who'd you have in that last I, race? I, did take,
1: I took the four five seven. As I said, I was just saying four Mystic Shadows, the best closer right when Anthony came on. So I'm looking for her to be the closer, whereas seven Gracie C maybe more of a front end type. And I put in the five Western Summit because she has raced as high as the preferred in the past. And it's Merino and Knight. And she's just kind of getting back up into that level off two straight wins at a lower level. So four, five, seven, nothing earth shattering there for me, I don't think.
0: Yeah, four, five, six, seven for me. I Gracie is the top pick. Looks uh, third back. Uh, Aspen Speed has lost two in a row. Uh, doing some work, and and I think that uh, you know she's she won eighty five thousand last year. Won ten races. Yes. So it's a tough spot, and I think that uh, it could go a lot of different ways. I agree with you there. So uh, you can catch my tickets on nahupicks.com. I'll throw Murray's ticket on there also because he was so kind to. Uh, <laughs> come on and do a a late minute uh, impromptu and and i thought it was he stuck around for anthony too which was was great i i really appreciate having you here murray as far as you know with your your uh extensive knowledge of western canada racing uh your 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 time with the stable and your perspective on that was fantastic so i thought that was great uh you you got you you mentioned century downs coming Mm. soon that's right, wow.
1: March 16th, so just about a couple weeks away. Uh, we start off with our harness racing season at Century Down, start off with just Saturdays, and then we move to Fridays and Saturdays, um, I believe in April. So Saturdays at uh, at 1.15, um, March 16th is going to be opening day. I can't wait. I'll try to remember how to call a race. And, um, yeah, looking forward to that. Hopefully people will be able to – to tune in uh, for some uh, some other Western Canada harness racing at that time.
0: I want to mention a couple promos that Frazier has at some of your ADWs. I know if you made it this far, an hour and 13 minutes, uh, yeah. 10 times points at Twin Spires on Frazier, 10 times points at Expressbat on Frazier. Go to BC Racebook and their player portal. Lots of good uh, information on Frazier. And uh, Nahupix.com in the money Check out all the thoroughbred podcasts. Well, you see the harness podcasts are back and we're going to be back every week. We got the support of the stable. Check out the newsletter. That's starting every week. So if you haven't subscribed to the newsletter, you can do that several ways. Uh, go to in the money podcast, go to not Get that newsletter every week. Thanks, Murray. Appreciate you. Thanks, buddy. Uh, enjoy Fraser Friday night, guys. Get in on that 10 o'clock Eastern time. See you next time.